I remember doing a lot of pitches, lots of pitches, and losing it because some company that had a male uh, owner would cut. And uh, he gave me this book and read it because I was unsure about what I'm going to do. And he said, this will help you decide what you're going to do. Confidence is my biggest weapon. And uh, that's a quality I have built in myself. I would go back to uh, Kazakhstan. I love Kazakhstan. There's so much more I want to see there. Uh, so there are, there's a Zerbai job that surprised me completely. I did not expect anything out of it. So there's a reason I started traveling actually. There was another reason, not just my love for it. And it makes you realize that India has so much more beauty and everybody's running all over the world to fight. Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjappa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. On the podcast today, I have for you a very special guest. She's my dear friend and my first go-to for all things fun, all things related to food, travel, life experiences and business as well. Until now, we haven't had a travel entrepreneur on the show and I'm very excited to talk my first love travel on this episode but before we dive into the conversation as always we want to share a little bit about our guest and her background seema jay singh is the founder of shay experiences an experiential travel boutique company since 2016 her best days she says have been in bringing together diverse and curious minded talents and partners across the globe to create a customized travel company doing both inbound and outbound holidays celebrations and also learning through travel journeys worldwide and in india she experiences also became india's first travel company to become affiliated with national geographic expedition the specialized travel division of the mother brand national geographic headquartered in usa seema has won multiple awards and multiple achievements over the years there's so much more i would like to share about her but i would like you to listen to this conversation because it is fascinating it is interesting it's fun and it's about travel I'm sure you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did recording this with Seema. Join me as I talk to Seema Jaising about the business of travel. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast and Seema welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. Not just because you're such a dear friend uh and I always have fun times with you but because I know this is going to be a crazy conversation so welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much and I'm so happy to uh, be at in your podcast and I heard that you I'm the first travel entrepreneur that you got online so I'm actually intrigued why you wanted to travel entrepreneur because people don't really talk much to it's usually fashion and you know things like that so the first one is easy I love travel you know that but I also think a lot of people 
you know, it's travel is so important in many people's lives, but they don't know often the behind the scenes of what it takes to run a travel business. And I've seen you do it and I think you do a great job. So that's why I wanted to talk to you and understand from you um, how this business really works, how you built your brand and, you know, and all the fun stuff that we think travel is about, but really is not. And I really want to talk about the unsexy side of travel mm-hmm. as well today. So yeah, more to that. And I'm ready, if you are, to start listening to your stories. If I must. And the sexy side, that's a new one. Yeah. I much on the ground to make it look all clean and honest and straightforward, yet don't show what goes on at the back. Yeah. But um, I think that's what edges us in travel to do what we do. You need to be that person who loves the energy, who likes the fast pace or not. It's made for you or it's not made for you. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to start off for our audience, right? Go to the beginning, right? Um, what's been your journey? Because I know you were a dental student. You, you're a dentist. A dentist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so And from there to the world of travel, what's your story and how did you get started and why did you choose travel? So um, if we go back many years and many years really, because I'm talking about early 2000s, um, actually go beyond that when I lost my father. I was all of 18. Um, the world was this big, amazing place because uh, you're a spoiled child who gets everything she wants. And cut to when I was 18, my father passes away. And uh, all the plans that I had, I mean, basically, that's where I learned you never plan your life. You make your focus, but you don't plan your life. So my whole plan of joining him in his nursing home that he uh, owned, because he was one of the top surgeons of backlog, uh, fell down uh, on the ground because there were a lot of family issues and we had to kind of fed brasses. So in the many of my studies, which is my first year dental surgery, I took this hard call to look to do something else as a second job. So actually working in hospitality was my second job. Was my job, like when you go to university, today most kids go and study at universities and go and work in the evenings. So this was my second job. So I made up my mind to study during the day and put in an intense eight hours of work after that. Uh, Only because I wanted to hustle to know how to earn my own money. Because honestly, I did not want to be a burden on my mother and ask for a pocket money that most kids my age were getting at that time. And also to learn how to earn money the hard way. Because I think that's a very important lesson that most people don't teach their kids and nobody to say, I have no kids. But it's a very important lesson. And I was lucky to have my father who insisted I work uh, at the age of 16, small jobs during my summer holidays to understand the value of it. Mm. Uh, talking about not a very, uh, very, very strong topic because we don't want to make this boring. So I started <laughs> working at uh, Le Meridian, uh, would you believe it, as a pastry chef? Because my love for pastry shows and, wow. <laughs> and I love dessert. I love cake. I can live a cake if I had a choice. Yeah. Uh, but some things don't happen in life. So I thought, why not I go and learn as a professional chef in a five-star hotel how a pastry department in a hotel works. 
So while everybody was studying at school, there I was working and making my own money. Some days working and making a trifle pudding for thousand people weddings. But it was all part of the game of learning about the value of diligence, hard work, and, you know, just understanding that so much goes into creating something. Yeah. So my first job was actually in the pastry of a hotel. Then I moved on to work for Casa Piccola and, and took care of their pastry department. Not many people know this. Wow. So I was actually in the process of becoming, becoming an out-and-out hospitality person without really realizing my journey. Like I said, I never made a plan. I never had a mentor. I never knew what I wanted. All I knew is I wanted to earn my own money. Then uh, I remember one day walking into the Oberoi for a coffee. And in those days, money was something that we didn't earn too well because you yeah. know, as you know, I was working as a chef. Yeah. And I walked into the hotel and something in me said, oh, I would love to work in this hotel. Uh, all of 23 I was. Okay. And um, one year later, uh, like they say, the universe always conspires. And in my in my life, I feel that's always, almost always happened. Um, I get a call from the PR um, head of Oberoid through my sister. And I'm always thankful to her for this. Because this girl uh, spoke to my sister and said that she's leaving because she's moving to Australia. And she's looking for somebody fresh in PR. Not somebody who's an ex, who's not, who's not older. Because most hotels were taking people at the age of 35 and above in PR. She said they wanted somebody in her mid-20s. So that they can kind of um, train her to do what they want out of the hotel for PR. So I went for the interview without expecting to get the job. I was at the moment uh, doing uh, my internship at Lind Opinion, working in Lind Opinion as uh, Flunky, like they call it. Uh, so flunky. Yeah. <laughs> flunky, see what, what that different was at 23 years was. Yeah. And um, I went for the interview without expecting. I was just my usual confident self. So the next thing I knew the next day, the GM decided that I get the job. And I was so taken aback and I was scared because I did not know anything about hotel PR. So that was my first entry into the full frontline hotelier. Mm. I must thank my that time uh, GM who really trained me to become the kind of hotelier that I have turned out to be. Um, you know, he always said, whatever you do, uh, respond, do not react. Because at hotels, we have to be at our nicest, best, even when the client on the other side is really mean to you. Because it's a close industry. And at that time, people in India did not understand hoteliers. They thought they were like somebody who was at their back when, and called. Yeah. But also, I did get the uh, I did get the benefit and the um, I'm grateful for meeting some amazing people in my hotel journey. Uh, like I did events with a lot of big names in those days, like Dick Skaldra. Uh, Prasad became a friend after doing an event with me. He may not remember because I was really young and I was like, he remembers me as this girl wearing a sari running across the corridor doing everything that nobody in a hotel is supposed to do. But basically when you are and we are in a hotel, the job needs to be done, right? So uh, that was the same mindset. I worked there and then of course I moved on to one of my favorite chocolate brands, Ferrero, and was heading marketing for them for two years for their first startup office in India. So my career really had been thrown into hospitality in all forms, 
food and beverage. And I've been uh, lucky to work with some big names and some amazing bosses. Um, you do get some not very good bosses, but you choose to forget them. And I honestly don't remember those. But a majority of them were amazing because they knew I was young and I was new. I was dying to make an impression. Yeah. And that's where my journey started. And um, at the age of 30, I did my first foreign trip. Okay. I've never been abroad before that. And um, I'm writing a book. You'll see it soon. But uh, my best friend, uh, I don't want her name over here, gave me my, my best friend and her husband at that time, gave me my um, 30th birthday gift, which was a trip to the US. Okay. The minute I landed in New York, my life changed. Okay. And I traveled for about a year, and then I decided I want to be a traveling entrepreneur. Okay. I would have to say that to people, they would wonder what that is, because India had not even picked up the travel entrepreneur tag. Travel agents were many, but the travel entrepreneur was a new name. Nobody understood it. Yeah. Um, UK was just warming up to the travel entrepreneur. US had not even seen it. But I made up my mind that I'm going to give it five years. And if it doesn't work, I will do something else. So that really started my journey to become what I am today. And then onwards, you grow. Yeah. I think that's such an interesting story for many. Um, it's a story for many different reasons, right? One is, you know, there's you were headed down a different path and then something happened to change the trajectory. And then there was a challenge. You had to kind of, you know, find your way, find your next pathways. And then you kind of went, it's like the universe was setting you up over the years from one role to the other to find that, eventual um you know that purpose which is that what you love so much today and you've done for the last what now 20 years how long have you uh no the company is 15 years old okay uh we started as a conference planning company because we were finding our bearings and at that time in 2009 conference planning was very big so yeah. i thought let's start going down that path and, and we did very successful conferences with Jimmy. Uh, IBM and a lot of big brands um, and we were, what we did was successful okay. but uh, our strategy changed actually um, in 2014 mm -hmm. until I met you in 2017 and we grew uh, beyond even that first but uh, uh, you know I think it's a passion business and uh, a passion business always brings in many more things every year which is what we try to do. We try to add something new every year. And and I guess that's where we remain successful through all kinds of challenges that we face. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it's 15 years today, I would say, consummately. Okay. And uh, I'd, lo I'd love the 15 years. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, yeah, I mean, you look like you're having the time of your life, which brings me when you talk about challenges, right? Uh, one of your early challenges has been that... Um, you were, travel has always been earlier the male-dominated industry when you started. How did you manage being one of the few women in travel, like I said, uh, travel entrepreneur? How did you manage and navigate that time? Did you face any um, roadblocks, obstacles, and how did you deal with it, if so? So uh, when I started the conference business, Back in 2009, 2010, it was very male-dominated. 
Uh, I remember uh, doing a lot of pitches, lots of pitches, and losing it because some company that had a male uh, owner would cut. Basically, what they would do is they would cut budgets. Whereas we were very straightforward and we kept we kept our service fees consistent. We work with the service fees. We don't work with a markup like most travel companies. So people know how much they're paying us, which is for our service, right? So uh, the market was getting used to this concept that I kind of introduced. And uh, we lost a lot of business. But uh, it was very male-dominated because people thought women cannot be on the ground, which is usually what the concept used to be. Women will not be great at negotiations, but women are very good at negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> and and they also thought that uh, you know it's it was always male dominated in India and rest of the world but we had to break some barriers and we had to throw in with the client and work with them and say see hey if you are getting this business at this I'm giving you this plus I'm giving you two three benefits which you're not getting there so we would work directly with the hotels and get them benefits which the other companies would not give them. And so, hence, slowly moving the mindset of only men can do it to women. There was no ceiling to break, but we had to break the mindset that even a woman can be a great entrepreneur in conference and travel. And it took us about four years to bring that, to be very honest. Yeah. Those were hard, challenging years. We were making money, but we were putting it back into the business. So literally, two years of no profit. But we were ready for it. Okay. So it was a planned challenge. And yeah. then came, uh, before I go into all the fun stuff, I do want to talk about, you know, the biggest industry that was impacted by the pandemic. Okay. Yeah. Hospitality, travel. You know, people were impacted by it. How did you deal with it? I know how you did, but for our audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, I called, I called my dark circles the gift of the pandemic. Right. <laughs> So I'm being honest, I uh, call my uh, sleeplessness I have sometimes thanks to the pandemic. But uh, I honestly ate it 2020. I did not even celebrate my birthday that year because I wanted to forget it. The Indian government did nothing for us. We requested as a travel community, I remember, to ask for our GST back as means of surviving the year, you know. And they did not even listen to us. They did not even do it. Because just the GST would have helped us. Tight through not one. Remember, we went through two years of very difficult business. Two years is a long time for business to shut down. Yeah. When I speak to you, there are businesses that have shut down. But I New Zealand has lost so many travel consultants. I work a lot with different countries. So many countries have shut down. Yeah. It's not. But we in India had the raw deal. And... Um, I don't know, uh, the government should have been a little bit more, uh, you know, active, proactive about what they should. Okay, we're not saying pay us a salary, which other European countries and New Zealand and America did on a monthly basis from the government. But at least we said give our GST back, so it didn't work. But uh, it was a tough year. So I went back to what I used to do. I started baking. So when I was in college, I was a girl who would go to college. And I would bake cakes and sell it to everybody at college. So my first lesson in business started in college. No MBA, but my lesson in business was baking and 
making cakes and selling it in my own college campus. Amazing. <laughs> Very enterprising, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a it was a no-brainer. I remember sitting one one uh, afternoon in June and talking to my husband. I said, what do I do? I need to do something. I'll go crazy. Not for the money, but what do I do? It's just to do something because I've always worked. I've worked since I was 18. I don't know a life other than that. But for me, work is not just going to work. For me, work is doing something I love. So he said, you used to bake so well. Why don't you bake? So I said, hey, Alkham, I never thought of that. So I went online and I did a course uh, on gluten-free baking for about a month. Uh, there were a lot of these online courses. I think you remember that were available with these online universities. I did a course. I understood the science of uh, uh, gluten-free baking. See, because I've studied science and I'm a doctor, it's very easy for me to understand chemistry and biochemistry. It's it's like my second second knowledge, you know. So I learned it. Then I created recipes for the next one month on different cakes for people doing keto, people doing gluten-free, people who are diabetics and came up with a menu, which I sold right up to 2022 July. It was doing very well because I think it was a market that was, again, I found a market uh, which was not available, which was not there in Bangalore, and it worked. Then, of course, last year we stopped taking a lot of orders. We didn't stop, we just stopped getting because I, I was so busy traveling and whenever people gave me an order, I was traveling. So, But it was my filler business I would say my sanity, those years of COVID. That's what I did. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, it's interesting because to me, that seems like a pivot. Uh, even if travel is not there, you found yeah something else to kind of, you know, bridge the gap. And I feel, um, you know, that's a very growth mindset, uh, simply because a lot of people tend to kind of sit down and say, oh my God, what do I do and lose hope, which I think your fighter spirit I think your spirit is of finding the solution moving forward with that, which then brings me to my next question. So you decided to go solo, you decided to start this travel company. Yeah. What was the early landscape like? Uh, were people traveling? What was people's mindset in terms of, uh, you know, where did consumers want to go? What was that? Like, when did they travel? Was it on the holidays? Like, what is the, what do those early days look like? So, um, we're talking about 2012, 2013. So um, people would automatically want packages. People would want flights and visas included. And that was a tough landscape for me because as a company, we don't do flights. And we, we only assist with visas. We put them on to visa consultants who can help them. So uh, it was like breaking a barrier, which was never there in India. People didn't understand it. But uh, when we met clients, we said, you know what? How we'll help you is you give us your wish list. For example, if you are going to Spain, what are the things that you've always wanted to do in Spain? Give us your budget of the hotel. That's a simple thing, right? The rest we fill in. And then we come back to you with not just what you want, but we add what you think you will like. Like a food tour. Okay. Because you're a foodie. So we, we used to talk a lot. We used to not do Google Sheet, but we would call and we would do briefings. And our briefings would be a minimum of 15 to 20 minutes, which nobody at that time did. So the people who saw that as a benefit passed the word around. And the business grew because of word of mouth. 
I think that's a very powerful thing that you're saying. A lot of us discount that business grows also, not just pure uh, organic or inorganic, I'm mean, not pure inorganic marketing or paid ads, but also there's this powerful tool called word of mouth. At some point, your customers arm your... For new businesses, that are the biggest tool. I'll tell you that. Yeah. For new businesses that people don't know about, that's the tool that all will always, always work. Yeah. Something for business owners listening to this conversation. Uh, something for you to take away. What Seema is sharing, which is word of mouth, is powerful. We know how it works. We yeah. trust people who tell us when they've done something. And especially travel, right? You're going to a new country. Yeah. Want to be safe. All of that. Okay. So now I want to go back to again, looking back. Is there anything you would have done differently with Shake? No, 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 no. Everything has been a step towards success. A step towards growth. A step towards doing that edgy difference that nobody else, hopefully, in the industry dares to do. I I hear you say that. And I know, because I know you personally, I can say that you live that every moment. What are some fun early trips that you planned, if you'd like to share? Oh, my God. Um, so, I had tied up with my friend uh, who had started a travel company in Bangalore. And I, I was helping her. Uh, set up getting the you know getting the uh, trip sorted out so one of the trips that she made me go on because she did one group and I did the other was the Uzbekistan group oh my god I think the Uzbekistan group was not just because of the destination it was the people we had this really motley crew of 11 people including two men and it was truly a riot in terms of giggle riot okay I had so much fun uh, there were all kinds of women who were funny. Each one of them funny in their own way. Mm. Uh, the men just smiled and went to the women and enjoyed the women in energy. And it was just too much fun. Then my other fun trip, uh, I would think, is something I did this year, which was uh, in um, March. Okay. I led a group of foreigners across a Buddha journey for seven days, which I created myself along with the client and her ideas. And I had so much fun doing it. And I remember I was so sick at the end of the trip. I got a, a cold because I jumped into the Ganges. <laughs> I got a cold from there. I mean, it, it's very clean, but I think I was overworked, exhausted. I was sleeping, living on three hours of sleep. Okay. And, uh, I kind of just broke down. But through the sickness, I was having so much fun. And uh, another journey that I really liked was, um, I keep thinking about it, was actually um, Bhutan. Okay. One group of five of us. Okay. But it was just an awakening because it's so beautiful, Bhutan. And I remember sitting in Punakha one of the evenings and the clouds coming into my room. And it's a vision I have not forgotten forever. Oh, wow. This is the, this is definitely a dream journey, I'm sure. It's yeah. on my bucket list. I have yeah. everything on my bucket list. But, I mean, great trips. Uzbekistan sounds very interesting. It's a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean any of the 53 countries I visited that were less fun. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but this is, stands out for you. Yeah. Experience that made you think, you know, at some point that, wow, like, you know, this is my day job. Like, this is the career that I chose. How lucky am I? What is there a moment that you had that awareness? 
I go through these moments many times every year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. And as, uh, I don't know, you may think that's crazy, but yeah. No, but that's great. That's, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're very aware of, of the fact that you're doing what you love. And many people want to do a travel job, right? They all feel like that's... Yeah, that. but it's pretty hard work. They think, oh, look, well, she's... Instagram has spoiled everything. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Instagram is not seeing it, but they will. Yeah. And like, oh, all these travel people having these beautiful journeys. and all. It's not true. When you are working, it's really tough on you. Because you have to make sure everything is looking great and you have to smile through it. Yeah. But the... Finally, when the people are so thankful and they're so grateful and you give them a completely new experience to live for, I hope, on every journey, uh, that they want to remember it as their, one of their best journeys in the, in the they've ever done. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I like to hear from every traveler of mine. Uh, but when you hope that that feeling that they give you or they tell you about, that kind of, you forget everything else. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. <laughs> you know, basically, yeah, that's what it is. So yeah. I want to ask you this now to the more, the sexy side, we've spoken about the unsexy side, which is the hard work, the challenges, all of that. What does a perfect, your perfect escape, you Seema, your perfect escape look like when it feels like, you know, everything is getting too much to handle you and you just need to get away and switch off. Where do you go? What do you do? If you ask me this question in my 30s, I'm much older now, uh, I would have said uh, my perfect escape would be something really fast, really fast space. Like I remember I did, I said in my 30s and I loved it. Okay. Uh, because it was so fast. Every time we were changing sceneries, every day we were changing sceneries. Yeah. So if you ask me today, I would. it would be a toss-up between two things. One would be, uh, I love the jungle. I can go to the jungle anytime. Okay. I don't need to go on a safari. The jungle is not all about a safari only, which is what it made out. It's not about finding the tiger or the leopard or the lion. But the jungle is just about sleeping with the star, getting up with the stars of the jungle, going on a walk, uh, going bird watching in a boat, which I've done, all of this I've done. Um, seeing the tigers added bonus because I'll never forget how I saw the most beautiful tiger sighting in Madhya Pradesh, where the tiger was kind of just lying in the water because it was so hot and he refused to come out for one hour. I'll oh, see pictures of that. I was like, wow, I never thought that would be my tiger sighting. But that's the only one I saw and I never saw a tiger again after that. So I guess I got in my pay for the five years. And I haven't seen one yet with the wild. I haven't neither. It's been pretty elusive. And I'm the most unlucky person. I always feel every every time somebody says they saw a tiger, I say, you're blessed. You're lucky. Um, I'm still waiting on my... But I never saw a tiger for at least 10 safaris. And in my 11th one, I saw it for one hour. So I have... Truly gone my due. So you will get your due soon. Yeah, I hope so. What's the second part of this? You said the second that- part, the second part is um uh I like going for a healing retreat because I feel like I just have a complete, you know, thinking time, 
uh, detoxing. I like doing that because I feel like in our job, we're constantly running. We're constantly abusing our mental and bodies with all kinds of food. I'm a foodie also, so I love food. And uh, it's the, I think it's something you need to do once a year. You know, I try to do it as much as possible. But that's another thing that I enjoy a lot, which is actually quite slow. They call it the slow life nowadays, but the slow life was a part of me 15 years back. Oh, so, <laughs> so these are things that I like. Uh, and of course, I do love discovering the Silk Route. I love the Silk Route, the Kazakhstan, the Uzbekistan, the Azerbaijan. Our very own Jaisalmer and Nagore in India's part Silk Route and nobody knows that. You know, so every time I go to any town or any city or any part of the world from the Silk Route, I really enjoy every minute of it. I think that's it's interesting. That, that's interesting and that's unusual. Ah, it's unusual. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, so my touristy destinations are not the usual always. Oh, and that's an image that I bring into my company too because I do these unusual places. All right. I, I agree that you do do it usual places. Yeah. Uh, but uh, my next question is, what's a dream destination to curate a trip to? What would like if a client came to you and said, this is the place I want to go that you you feel is your dream destination to curate a trip to. So last year, I curated a trip for 15 days to Scandinavia. Oh, wow. My partner and me both had so much fun putting it together. We put in 100 hours of work for it, but we had so much fun. So for nature, I would say Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. Uh, for history, Morocco and India are my favorites. Always. I also uh, was a part of curating the barter and the accommodation and itineraries for the National Geographic uh, our mission shoot. Wow. In, uh, I, I can't even remember when it was, 2012. 25-day schedule we put together uh, across Sri Lanka for 10 photographers who would finally choose the final one and this picture would be on the National Geographic magazine. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that is. And one of my dream trips I want to do is a National Geographic expedition to Antarctica. Ah, uh, of course. That's definitely on my list. I don't know on my list. Yesterday, it's very interesting that uh, you are talking about Antarctica. <laughs> It's, so it's really interesting that you talk about Antarctica. So yesterday I was talking to my friend's dad, um, who was who who was a captain on a ship, and, and you know he worked as a captain for a long time. So I was telling him that you know uh, someday I don't know if I'll have the courage, but you know I want to see if I can. Yeah, you, need, you need fitness. Yes, important things. Yeah, to do the Drake crossing. Yeah, me too. I'm scared of it. But yeah. to do it, I have to be ready for it. Yeah, but you know what he told me? So interesting. He said that, you know, I did part of the day, Drake crossing when I was going on the ship, but we did Cape Horn. And he said, oh my God, you need to have guts for it. Because ah. we are higher than the ship. What he said. Yes. And I was in high waves. At once. Yeah, at that point between the Pacific Ocean and the Atlantic Ocean, that's where it's like that. And it's 48 hours of it. People, yeah, 48 hours. So I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to rethink this. So Antarctica, it is for you. But I don't know. <laughs> I also don't think so. But it's a dream trip. Yeah. I don't know if I'll make it in this life. Because, you know, 
Why not? We can straight past it scared me. <laughs> so the next one is which kind of trip do you would you prefer? A short action packed adventure or a slow long journey? I think you kind of answered it. You like the same like long. both. You like both? It depends on what you want at that time. Okay. Uh, some do's and don'ts for your clients that you learned the hard way. Some of your insider tips and secrets. Uh, in terms of what to carry or how to travel, I think how to travel. And I do have a question on carry. So every country is uh, different. Uh. Like I would tell you, in Russia, never take a local taxi. Always take the taxi from your hotel. It's not safe. Uh, in Africa, always take the flights between destinations, especially in Kenya and Botswana, because the journey on the road is really intense, like really bad roads. So every country is different, and that's why when clients call me, also I tell them when before their trip what they should be doing and what they should not be doing, especially yeah. in a country where there's a challenge in terms of something with local transport or whatever. Hmm. Um, what? What are the other things I would tell people? Is um, yes, do one fancy restaurant when you travel. It may not be Michelin star, but it'll be a good one. Because you must see what the um, people in that country like to do when they celebrate. Mm. But don't forget to do food on the street too. Because that's what the common man eats. And I make it very important and an important part of travel wherever I can, where I do the food tour for people. Like even in Japan and Osaka, where Michelin stars are one million. Uh -huh. I insist they do a food tour on the street in Osaka okay. with a local guy. You know, like every place, try the local food. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I th I think I agree with you on that. You should try the local food as yeah. much as our palate can take. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you should try the and experience the local culture as well because that's where the learning and the education comes. What are two items you feel every traveler must have? It's not two, it's three. Okay, three. <laughs> so, one item one is... One, actually, two items is for vanity, which is sunblock and lip oil or lip balm. Okay. Two is always have a blanket. Okay. Because the flights get too cold or the trains get too cold. Blanket shawl. Like, think yeah. of shawl. Yeah. Or you can always have it in your bag when you're walking around or traveling because the weather changes really fast in almost country. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're going to Vietnam or Thailand and it's going to be hotter than ever. So you don't need it. But for the flight, again, you need it. Always have a blanket and always have enough change of that okay. Interesting. Uh, and then finally, about you, coming to you, right? What are some habits you follow irrespective of where in the world you are? Uh, I, I try and spend five minutes at night with myself. It can be through like a breathing pranayama or doing mm -hmm. a certain prayer. That's it. People say you must get up and be grateful. So honestly, I try and be grateful once a week. Okay. I, I mean, I try to get up once a week. I try to sit once a week and think about the things that I can be grateful. Right. Yeah. But five minutes with myself and uh, something that I never, never stop doing. If I can get time, I try and do some kind of exercise for about 25 minutes while traveling. Okay. And as much as possible, walk wherever I 
Yeah. Okay. And uh, when it comes to your business, is there like a motto or a mantra that, or, or a piece of advice you'd like to share to people? It's actually in my signature. I don't know if you noticed it. Um, when I was uh, flying to New York on my first foreign trip in 2002, now I remember the year, um, I was reading a book which was given to me by my last boss, uh, Russian at Ferrero. He was my marketing head and he had kind of taught me the marketing of Ferrero before I left. And remember, I did this trip after I quit. Okay. So um, he had given me a book and he said, you must read this book, Seema, because his name was Andre Popov. I still remember him. Uh, we're not in touch anymore. We were in touch for 10 years after that. Uh, he lives in uh, Italy, but he's Russian. And uh, he gave me this book and read it because I was not sure about what I'm going to do. And he said, this will help you decide what you're going to do. Mm. And that book uh, was The Alchemist. Uh, and that book actually made me decide what I should do. Made me realize that you can find what you want in your country. Yeah. Yeah. And that book had a saying, which I kind of changed as my motto. It's called, your future lies first in your imagination, huh. then in your will, and finally in reality. Oh. But this touched me when I read The Alchemist, and I kind of changed it to my lovely, lovely. And then uh, moving on, um, what do you tell yourself in tough times? What have you told yourself when tough times have been tough? What's your self-talk like? So, uh, as a person, uh, I don't know if you've realized this, but I'm very self-assured. Confidence is my biggest weapon. And um, that's a quality I have built in myself and I saw in my father. Right. So, I feel it's possible. Yeah. So, when that's time, so what about tough times? There have been many. COVID's not the only tough time. That's the latest one. Yeah. Uh, in tough times when business was low and nobody was coming to you, I just believed, uh, I, 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 step, I pray, I pray every night for five minutes and I ask, why? Why now? Ooh, let's move forward, kind of a thing. And um, I know what I do is very good. No, I mean, I'm not boasting, yeah. but uh, people who come to me come back again. So I know it. I have seen it. Okay. So because I'm so self-assured, I just tell myself, be patient, it'll happen. I do get anxious because sometimes, you know, when you wonder why you're not getting queries, that just happened before. Then you do get anxious, but then, you know, my mom is another person. Uh, again, she's a very strong force in our lives. My, mm. Mm. my mom always believes that don't give up, things would fall into place. And I remember that and I don't. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think yeah, it's really important to, you know, be have your confidence. Know that even yeah. like you can't you can't give up on yourself. So you have to be confident and then well, yeah. yeah, you can't give up on yourself. That's really yeah. what it is. Never give up on yourself. And if you start feeling like you are, have the people around you remind you not to. So yeah. uh I'm I'm very uh, blessed to have my husband, my sister, my mother, my brother-in-law, so many people, my best friend, uh, to tell me, don't give up on yourself. What you do is amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right. On that note, let's go to the fun side of travel. Share with me the funniest travel encounter that you may have had. If you have more than one, great. But share with us some stories. So, uh, 
in africa um uh, you know um we were in uh, the uh, hotel balloon ride which everybody needs to do every in the early morning and the day we went on the ride i remember all of us were in the basket and uh, we were going up we were kind of coming down on the plates and we saw this uh, whole herd of wildebeest okay and, um, uh behind the wildebeest one of behind one of them was a hyena chasing him okay i remember the balloon uh, handler say oh oh look at the wildebeest and behind it is running the hyena for his breakfast and everybody in the group kind of just cow cracked up because it was like the funniest thing to see and you were also groggy no coffee sticks in the morning <laughs> That was like one of the funniest things. The other thing in Africa was I remember we were um, in a jeep, seven of us, and uh, there was uh, the hippos at the back in the water, and there was a lion and a cub in the front, like literally less than five feet from us. And uh, our it was it had rained the evening before, and our uh, jeep kind of slipped. Okay, because of the marsh. Ah, uh-huh. driver was a Maasai driver, so he's exceptional. You know, we always stay in camp where the Maasai is the driver cup guide. So it started slipping, and uh, I remember my friend sitting next to me say, "Let's get down, let's get down. This is going to fall down, and the hippos are going to eat us." And all of us, the jeep just gave it up because we were like, "Crazy girl, if we get down, the flies are going to make us make a peanut." But that was like, you know, there was so much tension, and everybody was like. trying to just concentrate on getting the jeep up from the march yeah so that was another funny moment what what is your um what are five places you would go back to um i would go back to rajasthan at the drop of a hat i love rajasthan yeah and there are always some new places when you go back i would go back to uh kazakhstan i love kazakhstan there's so much more i want to see there mm-hmm. uh, I would go back to New York any time, any time, because I have a relationship with it. Like I have, like a piece of my heart is left there. Every moment I feel it, and it's always amazing. Every time you go back, there's something more, there's something new. There's always something interesting that New York offers you. Um, in Asia, um, I love Vietnam. So Vietnam, I would go. I still haven't seen New Zealand. That's another dream trip. and i think if i go i would love to go back again and then i want to ask you what was a place that really surprised you in a pleasant way like like you weren't expecting it to be so awesome and then you yeah. then shocked you uh, so there are this is azerbaijan that surprised me completely okay I did not expect anything out of it mhm then there is a uh, iceland that kind of expected <laughs> so what Actually, there was uh, Budapest. I thought I'd see nothing there, but I fell in love with Budapest more than I like Prague because I went to both at the same time. Yeah, so Budapest. Um, uh, and uh, another place that surprised me was Miami. You know, I can't think of anything. Okay, in India, right. actually, in India, actually, Madhya Pradesh. Oh, okay. I would also be surprised because very surprised. Yeah. interesting all right with that we are going to move on to the next part of this interview we are coming to the end there's so much i want to pick your brain on but we'll save it for part 2 as well and there's a part 3 in this yeah we're going to do another part 2 because we you know you're going to be traveling so much more from a girl who yeah. start 
travel out of the country at 30. Um, and now at what? You've traveled how much? I'm 50. Yeah, and how many countries have you traveled? In 53. I was hoping to finish 55 by the time I was 50, but the pandemic killed it. So it's okay. Yeah. So, okay. So you've almost got there in the 20 years. It's a lot. And sometimes we think, oh, you, we didn't travel when we were young. How are we ever going? No, I can't say that. I made up. <laughs> you made up. I don't know how. I made up. So there's a reason I started traveling, actually. There was another reason, not just my love for it. My dad, when he died, had not been to a single foreign country in his life, except America, because he had gone to see his sister. And I remember he made our passports. This is another story, since you love stories. He made our passports the year he died. And he said, we are going to Spain because his friends lived in Spain. And he died. And we never traveled. And I swore to myself after he died, I will make up more than we ever would have traveled in my life. No, oh, you made it up. And I think that's such a, that's such a beautiful um, wish and desire to have. Yeah. I'm going to move you into um, uh, the next part of this um, uh, interview, which is the game, okay? It's not a game. I'm just going to call out a word and you just say the first thing that comes to mind when I say that word. Uh, let's get started with this game. The first word that I have for you is love. All around, just find it. Okay. New York. Energy. Okay. Uh, sunrise. Best place to see the sunrise. I see it. I can't wake up in the morning. Only unless we're looking for animals in the jungle. Okay. <laughs> sunset. Oh my God. I love sunset. But what you know what they say? Sunsets are not good. They're not auspicious. But I, as a person, love sunsets and moonrises. I would agree with you. I love sunsets myself. But Goa. Goa the best one. Okay. A, pa a party. Dancing all night. Okay. Chaos. Chaos, travel, travel company. Okay, running a travel company is chaos. Or chaos, method and the madness. Yeah, okay. Living on the edge. It's the only way to find the juice in life. All right, so I like it. And finally, uh, the last two that I have for you, travel is? Is an education uh, that teaches you much more in life than university does. Yeah, I completely agree. And I keep telling my kid that. Uh, and that's where we started her traveling. And I hope many, many parents say that to their kid. No, I, I really want my child to learn as much as she can from travel. Uh, and I truly believe that. Uh, and find the last one for you is unforgettable. What comes to mind when I say the word unforgettable? Is there a place that comes to mind? Or an experience? There are many things. Okay. Uh, but yes, one one experience, two two experiences. One is uh, in Paris. I never liked Paris. Everybody loves Paris. Everybody says, oh, we have to go to Paris. I never liked it. But I made myself like Paris because when I went to Paris alone uh, in 2018, mm -hmm. I booked myself uh, with a local Paris in a vintage car and saw Paris by night just before Christmas for one and a half hours in his car. That made me love Paris. Oh, okay. So you found your own way to... Yes, yes. You need to find your way to enjoy a country. Yeah. That's that makes you love it more. And my second, uh, second one, which you would ask, is actually 
truly and completely my almost always is uh, there's a beautiful fort palace which is UNESCO World Heritage Site in Rajasthan that many people know about it. It's owned by the Maharaja of Jodhpur and I work a lot with the family. Uh, they do an exceptional setup in a place which used to be where Tansen used to sing to Akbar. Deepak Mahal. Savi, you've been there. Uh, it's lit up with a thousand K land and Sufi music is sung in that little Mahal with fountains and gaddas and pillows and uh, liquor being served. That was truly one of my beautiful India experiences. I had experience in my life. It's magical. Yeah. And makes you realize that India has so much more beauty and everybody's running all over the world to fight it. Yeah. Very alchemist uh, kind of, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, ending this. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for sharing that. I know, Seema, you have so many, many stories. I'm going to wait for that book. And when your book is ready, I hope you'll come back on the podcast and share with us. Uh, probably the- hopefully, this book has been supposed to be written since 2020. I never got onto it. So now we're finally on our way and hopefully, I don't know when. I'm not going to give it a date. We'll see how it's going to happen. But I look forward to it and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. But it's been an interesting conversation with you. Thank you for being here. And some something that you'd like to eat the audience with about travel. And maybe this is for the person who thinks, I, have, I will travel when I'm old. What's your message for this person? Uh, my message for that person is, coming from where I started and how I started with no money, travel as much as you can, as long as you can, with how much of a money you can, because it'll be too late if you don't. Yeah. I, before I came onto this interview, I saw another beautiful quote and uh, they said, uh, travel is the only thing that makes you richer after you spend money. Uh, <laughs> Which is true. Yeah. Uh, even a dental treatment does make you richer, even though you spend so much on bad from the fact that I would dare just. <laughs> that note, thank you so much for being here. We will be sharing how people can get in touch with you. Everybody who's been who's listening, go follow Seema on Instagram for all her behind the scenes and all the, uh, you know, she gives me promo all the time. I always, every time I talk to Seema, I'm always saying, I don't like this. I'm really jealous. And, you know, <laughs> that, take it back. <laughs> right. So go follow the experiences and I'll be sharing all the links below. Thank you so much, Seema. Here's to another 50 years of travel. Not saying long, Savi. I'll, I'll be really tired by 50. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but wishing you all the best, cheering you on. And thank you for making uh, time to be here on the podcast and being so generous with your time. Likewise, I loved it and it was fun. And always with you, it's always fun. So we know that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. 
Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.